0: In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13 year old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020, it's our future. Part of the Clinical Excellence Showcase event is highlighting excellence and supporting the scale and spread of these models. In theory, it's a very simple process, but in practice, a large amount of work is required behind the scenes to make a model that works in, say, a private facility, be able to work in a public setting. The annual Where Are They Now sessions celebrate these successes bringing back the models that have grown or spread since their last appearance at the event. In 2018, Children's Health Queensland's Stephen Statz joined us to share the evolution as they established their statewide gender clinic. This year, he was joined by the statewide clinic coordinator, Olivia Donaghy, to share how the service has grown to meet the needs and capacity of this highly vulnerable population across Queensland.
1: Thank you very much. Two years ago I presented, not here, but I presented about this really important service and there has been significant growth over the last two years. So what Olivia and I would like to do is first just give you a brief overview about the gender clinic, where we came from, where we're going, and then also expand in terms of what I consider, and I'm very proud of the clinic, the extensive input that we've been able to engender within the community and the work that we've actually done with consumers and carers, which I think sets this clinic above many others. It's a showcase of how we can work closely with consumers and carers for gender diverse young people, transgender young people and their families, so thank you. And also we would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, particularly anyone in um, here in the auditorium and the traditional con- custodians of this country. Also, we'd also like to acknowledge those with lived experience of mental health issues, myself included. When I talk at these conferences, I always am reminiscent that there are significant people here who struggle with mental health problems and I'd like to acknowledge that. Thank you. So, the Queensland Children's Gender Service, it really only has began in 2017. Prior to that, I was seeing increasing numbers of young people, gender diverse and transgender young people and their families, and I was working closely with Professor Jenny Batch, who's an endocrinologist who was working at the hospital. By 2016, we had a wait list of two years just to see me. That's just to see me. And a further nine months just to see Jenny. That was just for a single consult, which was almost a three-year wait. Now, for a young person who was was gender diverse, transgender, entering early puberty, say at the age of 11 or 12, you can imagine three years was a tragedy. Under Connecting Care to Recovery, we were provided with significant funding to commence the clinic, and the clinic commenced officially in mid-2017. Now, we've got a wonderful group of uh, people who work within the clinic. We've got psychiatrists, endocrinologists, led by Olivia as our team leader. We've got a number of allied health and nursing staff and AO staff. And as I've said, we work really closely with the community to develop what I consider is excellent services. And we're based at the Queensland Children's Hospital. Our criteria is really broad. You have to be under 18. You have to be now a resident in Queensland because we were getting significant numbers of referrals from interstate. You have to have just an issue with your gender identity. It's that broad and we need a GP referral. If you've got those, you're welcome to the clinic. We have four key aims. The first is to improve the health and wellbeing and functioning of gender diverse children and adolescents right across Queensland. We're a statewide clinic. The second is to collaborate with primary mental health treatment teams because we can't do it ourselves. Right now we've got 600 and how many?
2: 642.
1: 642 young people on our books. We've got eight FTEs, so we can't do it ourselves. We have to work with care providers within the community to deliver excellent service, and that's what we aim to do. We develop and support, and we embed because of this cross-sectional systems right across the community in order to deliver this very important service. And fourthly, and I think most importantly, we strengthen the resilience of transgendered young people. Being transgendered and gender diverse is difficult. It can be hard. You have to be driven to do this. It's not something that you just test out for a week or a two or a month. And it's not just the resilience of the young people, it's actually the resilience of the families as well. I always say, don't forget the siblings. What's, what's it like for the siblings? For the parents? So we provide significant support for these families. So to improve, what makes them strong? Because I think when you distill resilience down to its basic form, it's what makes you strong. So we focus on that as a key function of the clinic. Now our referral rate in the first year was phenomenal and we continue to have increased referral rates. There has been a a lot of misinformation put out there in the media over the last six months or so, quoting figures like 400% or 1,000% increase in referrals. That's just not true. However, we have had significant increase in numbers and referrals of young people through the clinic. And there are many reasons for that which we can discuss, but at the end of the day, these are young people seeking some type of support they're seeking some type of assessment and that's what we do through the clinic. And we're a statewide service. So about 40% roughly of young people come from regional areas across Queensland and so we have a, a wide range of support mechanisms for these young people, telepsychiatry for instance, and we also support regional uh, clinics to support these young people so although we 're here and we 're focused here on, and we 're based here at the queensland children 's Hospital we 've always considered that we 're a statewide service, and we always have been looking at how better to support uh, young people and their families in right, right across the state and we 've had young people come from from all over and I have to say Olivia and, and the team have done a really good job in terms of getting out into the community and providing education to the community right across Queensland about what we do. And that's just not with community mental health services. It can be to schools, to LGBT organisations. Basically, anyone who wants to listen to us will talk to. In fact, Olivia just flew back from Bundaberg today. She flew up in the morning. She's down here now to give this talk. That's just what she does. Now, Olivia's just going to talk about some of our achievements.
2: Okay. Thanks, Stephen. I suppose the very first achievement is um, the number of families that now have a service. And so I guess this rather large green blob reflects our activity. So uh, across the last two years. So you can see in the table there, you know, the, the calendar year of 2018, we had 1,800 odd face to face appointments, including telehealth. And that shot up to 2,700 in the calendar year of last year, with little to no change in our full time equivalent staff. So we're busy but we're trying to, I guess, adjust our service model to try to create efficiencies to see as many young people as we can. One of the second achievements, I would say, in the last 18 months or so is collaborating and working together with health information both within Children's Health Queensland but also within the Department of Health and what we were identifying or or flagging as an issue and I I actually noticed um, in the taxi on the way over here on my Twitter account, the Medical Journal of Australia has just published an article today about the impact of misgendering transgender patients in healthcare, about the poor health outcomes associated with that the patient safety risks, the staff and organisational risks, and the lack of alignment with our anti-discrimination legislation. So good news for us in Queensland is that we're already a little bit ahead of the game. So our uh, e-health area has already produced statewide guidance on this area, and at Children's Health Queensland in October, we updated our patient ID policy. So I won't go through a procedure with you, but the long and the short of it is that if a transgender person comes into Children's Health Queensland and says, My name's Olivia, my pronouns are she and her. Our administration and clinical staff were able to say, would you like me to change your details on our database to support the correct gendering of you whilst you're here with us today? Which is a really important procedural step. When we dug into some of the issues here and sat down and had conversations, for example, I sat down with a clinical educator in surgery and for a fairly routine day procedure, she said, we would probably misgender somebody 47 times as part of our current operational procedure procedures. So everybody was really keen to try to get our procedures to prevent that experience for trans young people. Another one of our achievements was working together with the Creative Social and Digital Media Team, which is part of Queensland Health Strategic Communications Branch. I did have to check with them the wording of that because it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, But they're a great team and they've been doing a really proactive health education series called Amazing Bodies. If you've not checked it out, I'd recommend you go and have a look. I learned a lot about your guts that was my favorite the gut biome stuff but also this is my favorite which is the gender podcast so we were delighted to nominate three of our young people young adults a trans woman a trans man and a non-binary young person to come together with a couple of our staff and just discuss their experiences and and really discuss I guess firsthand what it is to be growing up as a gender diverse young person in Queensland today and provide a bit of accurate information about what our service provides so if you'd like to learn more about us you you can check out the podcast. We've been doing our best to make time for research and presenting at conferences to try to share the experience that we're all we're all gaining specialist experience now in seeing this many hundreds of young people. So there was five presentations from our clinic at the national conference on transgender health. We've also spoken at a few other conferences around the traps. We had an exercise physiologist do a project. So there was our clinical staff noticed that a number of the trans male young people coming to see us. When they initially came, 65% of them, their BMIs were already in the overweight or obese range and we proposed a project and did some pre and post evaluation of that to see whether or not we could improve their physical activity levels overall and their fitness to some extent. So without going into lots of details about it, but young people experiencing gender dysphoria struggle with their bodies. So the idea of putting on their gym gear and going out and getting active is the last thing they want to do and so they have very low levels of physical activity and then the associated health issues with that. So our exercise physiologists introduced an intervention which increased their structured physical activity and also we saw the mental health benefits of that in terms of social connectedness being part of that group and improved self-perception. As Stephen talked about before, one of the things that has been a part of our service since we initiated is always meeting with and... looking for new and interesting ways to have more consumer participation. And when I say consumer, I'm talking about the young people, also their parents, and also the broader transgender community. And we were afforded an opportunity to do that with a partnership with another program called EdLink, which enabled us to produce these three staff training videos, which are on our website if you'd like to use them in any in-services in your own work units, and also a couple of social stories or zines, which are specifically for young people on the autism spectrum. As we talked about in terms of education, so again, through partnerships, which is always a good way to do things when you've got limited resources, is to partner with others. And it's certainly been successful for us in the last year or so. We've been able to, through a partnership with EdLink, deliver 16 workshops across the state. And that was attended by mental health clinicians, both in child and youth mental health, but in private practice, some GPs and paediatricians, lots of school-based youth health nurses, and a lot of school and education staff. We also partnered with the Queensland Human Rights Commission and did some activities last year as part of Wear It Purple Week, some community education and information sessions and partnering with local NGO services like Open Doors Youth Service to do parent education. We're offering a workshop at the end of March. If you're interested in a two-day workshop on improving mental health practice with LGBT youth, that'll be at the hospital. That's all we have. That's just a um, picture of our banner, which was the first time that Children's Health Queensland had a banner in the Brisbane Pride March, and a number of our families and their children and their siblings came along to march behind the Children's Health Queensland banner as part of Pride last year. That's all.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Stephen and Olivia. Now, Has anyone got any questions for Stephen and and Olivia? I've got one. Um,
0: What do you do when these young people turn 18? What are the pathways after that?
2: So there is an adult gender service at the RBWH, but what we're actually doing is transitioning them to, I guess, local care options, so GPs where possible or sexual health physicians. I guess one of our aims is that by the time they are transitioning out of our care, they're no longer needing a specialist service, that uh, things are running a little smoother for them.
1: That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, please thank Stephen and Olivia.
0: As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased.
1: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.